Welcome to the Bottom Shelf Leadership Podcast, a ministry of Lindsay Lane Baptist Church, where we sit down with small town leaders who are making big time impact. Hey, and welcome in to the podcast. Uh, I am Heath Haney, Lindsay Lane's East Campus Pastor, joined as always by Alan Ostrisky, our North Campus Pastor, and Andy John King, our lead pastor and teaching pastor here at the Athens campus. Guys, it's Christmas time. It's Christmas time. Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, Merry Christmas. For Christmas, I want uh, a headset to use during the podcast <laughs> because only one of us has a headset, and it looks totally legit. And yeah. well, Alan and I look like we got invited to participate. Heath is the one that's got the earphones. Ear, are those Beats by Dre? Yeah, they, yeah, they are. Um, I took them out of uh, main campus budget here. and. Uh, <laughs> So it was only. No, I'm just kidding. Jokes um, on you. We're at the end of the year. I'm okay because I feel like I can walk away at any time. You know, so <laughs> I, and he will be. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, hey, we. Uh, so this is our big year ender uh, here on the podcast for 2023, and uh, man, we we've been taking. Uh, <laughs> we borrowed that from Rick and Bubba straight the from Rick and Bubba. Year ender. Oh, is that year what ender. they say? Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, so Come this is up. our end of the year. Podcast is that better? Uh, they don't no, mind. But we're taking up money for fix mama's mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Twelve working days of Christmas. No, that's that's something else. Uh, so we will. Uh, but we we kind of solicited some questions uh, from our listeners and from our, our campuses, and so we're going to go through some of those today. Uh, we may not get to everybody's request that came in. We were just bombarded with yeah. like ones singles of questions. We probably got more than we thought. Seven or eight questions. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was good. And um, so I know some of you are going to listen and go, man, I wish I would have talked about this. Well, yeah, we would have. So send it to us, and maybe next time we do a Q&A, we'll, we'll address it. But um, So we're going to get to the first question, which uh, kind of was kind of the theme of a couple of questions that we got, uh, which had to do with seasons of life. And um, so I'll just kind of word the first question this way. Man, leadership changes so much based on the season of life we're in. How can we lead effectively no matter – the season we find ourselves in. So, ready goes. Ready, hands in, go. Let's get it now. I, I don't know. I think sometimes, I think sometimes it may be more frustrating with the way that we have to lead in different seasons. Um, for example, like as a young man, like sometimes, you know, the out front leader. You can't always be the out-front leader. Uh, chances are you're not the wisest person in the room. Chances are you haven't seen the most stuff in the room. And so, uh, you know, I think about, you know, even from, from that perspective, you know, the, the age limitation of really being the leader that I want to be um, and, and the limitations that my age brings to it. Um, you know, I was hired on staff here when I was 21 years old. And, you know, that was – that was an interesting place to be, and, uh, and and so and so I've learned it from from that season. Sometimes we, sometimes God has stuff for us in leadership, whether we want it or not in that particular season. And sometimes what we have to learn in those seasons is that God has a different a different area or a different level of leadership that he is growing us in, uh, which, which we can't, we can't miss that. Yeah. Um, well, and I think it's probably important to let everybody know who doesn't know who we are, uh, that, that we're all, you know, I'm 41. You guys are how old again? 35 and 36. 36. So, uh, young families, 
um, you know, the, my oldest is 13, and then we have a 10-year-old, um, and, and your children are younger than mine. So um, we, we've not been to that stage yet where we're thinking about what it looks like to have grown children or children in college. Or, That's right, you know. yeah. So uh, what I have thought about is when you're young, you have less experience, but you have probably more energy. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes see, more time. Yeah, and more time. That that's true. It, before before kids. Yeah, yeah. So if you have if you have less experience and more energy, then you probably should be seeking wisdom with all you got. Yeah. As you get older, I I think when you have uh, less energy and more experience, I think we probably should start seeking rest. Uh, so that we have great energy when we come to, and that's one thing we've talked about a lot on the podcast has been rest and resting well, and why it's important, and Jesus rest, and we talked all about that. And I think um, if you are in leadership, we we've been young leaders here or elsewhere in churches, organizations, and we've watched senior leaders of a different age category work super hard but they take rest serious. I think so that they can work super hard. Mm-hmm. It never came off to us as laziness or yeah. apathy it, it was we know that they they reached this place with maybe a great deal of experience just not as much energy so rest is more important and i think now as we're, we're trying to maybe i'm in that place where uh i'm leaning more towards gotta gotta find rest but i still got great energy and but i've got a little experience but not a lot so i still need great wisdom yeah so I would say rest is 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 huge in that stage, but also replicating, like replicating yourself. I mean, we are all all three around this table are are products of people, older individuals that have replicated themselves in one in one way or another. Now we may not be filling exact roles, but but certainly to be the the character of men that we are. Um, that that took somebody mean, meaningfully investing in us, yeah. seeing that potential in us, and so and I so I think that as well. I think that's the key to rest is okay. Now I'm not having to carry shoulder all of this mantle on myself. Let me bring someone along, uh, and that's difficult when you've been leading for any amount of time because it's it is hard to pass off that. Um, but because yeah. uh, you're not just passing off responsibility, you're passing off power that comes with that as well. At any level, I think you ought to work hard enough to when you rest, you shouldn't feel bad about it. Yeah. And and that's, uh, you know, uh, leaders have got to set the example. Just They just can't call the shots. So, whatever, if that's the young leadership or older leadership, I think credible leadership is one that works really, really well and doesn't feel bad when they rest. The, and I think that one of the – just on that note, that one of the biggest mistakes we can make in leadership is to look at people – in other seasons of life and judge ourselves based on them. You know what I mean? Like when we look at, when we look at people that are in a season of life where they have more time and then we try to meet that, like we try to be a leader like them, but we're not in that season. I think it can be dangerous for us or it can be, we can get to a place of almost arrogance where because we have more time, we're looking at, dude, this guy, Andy Johnny hustling, man. Like, what's his deal? Yeah. Well, he's in a different season, man. He can't give the time that I can. And it's, right. You know what I mean? And so I think there's a there's a danger for ourselves on both sides of that. Um, and and we, I've, seen, I've seen that in myself. And we see our hours different now. For us, um, we, we want to be involved in our kids' extracurricular activities. Not only do we want to be involved, we say those as opportunities to minister in the community. Yeah. So that may require us to leave – during the day at three thirty instead of five. Yeah. Uh. But I I 
I find myself having to, regardless, make up that time somewhere the rest of the week yeah. uh, to be involved in our children's lives. And you talk about different chapters of leadership. I think one thing we've learned from the generation before us is if if you have to cut time so that you can lead your own family, then do it. You know, uh, I, I don't I don't think um, cutting time in my job responsibilities is actually cutting time. It's just moving it around. That's it. Because because it if it may not look like it used to look like, but I guarantee you, forty hours is the minimum a, a lot of yeah, times. Yeah. And and so, uh, but it's definitely we are in a season of life where. Most of our leaders that are our senior leaders now at Lindsay Lane, you guys included, are those that have young families. So if we want to do it life with balance and do it well, uh, we can't lock ourselves in a box and say this is how it has to be. Yeah, and you you know, you who do you hear that from? Well you hear that from the older generation, exactly. like you said. But why do we hear that from them? Because they did. So what does that speak to? That speaks to experience. Yeah. That that speaks to that wisdom, that that investment that they're able to bring. Because I've I've thought of that before cynically. Well, like if I if I want to grow a church as big as this or as right. big as some other level, you know, and obviously there's there's a lot of sin and pride and stuff in that. But, you know, just just thinking about it, like but I'm I've got to learn from that example. I've got to learn that that the size of Ministry is not what is ultimately important, and, and we need people with experience that can do that. I think it's just important that wherever, whatever season you're in, uh, and you spoke to this a little bit, Heath, is, is not to devalue the the leadership of other seasons. That's right. Like yeah. we've got, we need it both. Titus two, right? Young yeah. men are to learn from the old men. The old men mm-hmm. are to teach. Uh, young men are dreaming dreams and, and visions, right? And so, like. You you have this you have this symbiotic relationship that that is supposed to happen in every church context where there's not a generational divide there's a generational togetherness and everybody's the better yeah. the, the the old benefit from the energy of the young the young benefit from the the insight of the old and the entire church is better as a result of it or whatever you know organization you're you're in that's right yeah and. And some of the, some of the things that I've run into uh, also dealing with seasons, and we we kind of had maybe a couple of questions that dealt with this was, you know, and I think one of the questions in particular had to do with church world, but I think maybe it could I think it probably apply uh, across the board in some ways. But you know, there's some seasons of life where we have to dial our leadership back, um, or maybe it's a season where uh, we're in a new organization and we've we've got to kind of climb the ladder back up to where we were, or we've gone to a new church and we got to kind of start at a different place. And so what advice would we have uh, for those leaders that have led at one time well, have had to step back uh, in their leadership for whatever reason, but are wanting to get back? What do those steps look like, and what advice do we have for those to, to be able to, to get their leadership back? Well, I mean, like I, I was – we looked at these questions earlier, uh, not maybe this specific question, but people that, that want to get into, you know, leadership, period – uh, you know, I think about the scripture from First Timothy that talks about if anybody aspires to be an elder, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, then you got to communicate that if this is your desire to be in leadership, and I think church or otherwise, somebody's got to know it, and they can know that either you just serving like crazy and proving yourself, or but I think it's also okay to say, hey, if there's opportunities available, uh, keep me in mind. Yeah. Um, but so so at first, the first thing is is somebody has to know it, but um, one thing I think we get into in the church 
is that maybe we know leaders personally that come in, and it's not that we can hire them and they automatically are in the rotation of leadership. It's they want to serve and lead in the church because they have a gifting or they're coming from somewhere else. And to anybody that would want to serve in the church and even lead in the church that you are in, the people have got to know you. You cannot just yeah. show up and assume that everybody there, I've been a leader somewhere else, so everybody there has to know who I am. If, if you'll put in the uh, servant time, not just to prove yourself and your resume, but just to be who you are and lead yeah. well, then God's a stewardship God. I believe opportunities come uh, as people get to know who you are and leaders get to know who you are. I, I think re- remembering that it's not about the position of leadership. In, in, in God's economy, and by the way, that's secular or spiritual, in a, in a secular context or a spiritual context, you as a believer, leadership is not a positional thing, right? It is, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's not about what people can do for us. The greatest leaders are concerned about the needs of others and, and moving toward others and bettering others and thus bettering the organization. And so, I would also be careful about how much I am preoccupied with being frustrated by not serving in the capacity maybe that I've served for in the past because those uh, relationships don't exist yet. And if I'm being impatient about that, chances are there's some things in my own heart that I've got to deal with and, and maybe some pride that I need to allow to subside before, you know, God can really use me in, in that position because you said it. What do you do when you're trying to, to, if you want to be a leader in a position, you serve. Right. The greatest among you is a servant. Right. And so and so, if, if I'm aspiring to that and, and see my gifting in leadership, if I am serving in, in these capacities, and we see it, guys, like we're leaders. We see other leaders yes. leading, serving, but in their service, we see the leadership. That's right. That takes time. Yep. And, that, and that is frustrating sometimes for us, but but allowing God to to work through our service, um, I, I think over time we'll see, you know, we'll see that begin to develop. Good good leaders to me are are willing to make something great. So there's opportunities in the church, whether that be in the children's ministry, in the area of of an usher or leading a team of ushers, um, and again that takes time, but. Good leadership will just show up wherever it is. It may not be what you're passionate about. I, I feel like the best way to let me know that you've been at a place and served well in different places is not to tell me all the things that you've done, but it is to sit down and explain at, at the appropriate time, uh, th- this is the gift that the Lord's given me, and I've used it in other places. If there's ever any opportunities that come up where you've got somebody like me that can fill in, let me know. Yeah. You know, don't don't read me the list of resume because it may be that you say I've done all these things, but on our end we're thinking, well, that's great, but we have five people in front of you that are that's also right. wanting yeah. the same opportunity, yeah. and everybody knows who they are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would argue that positional leadership immediately the only people that are put in a positional leadership are people that are hired. Like right. I, I don't think volunteers are just immediately coming into a church, and even as even at a church plant, where is which is my context, like I've still got to do the back checking for these people, even though we don't have leaders coming out of our ears, and we've only been around for four years. I still can't plug you into a position of leadership until I have done some due diligence, you know, on on that. And so, if I'm going to bring someone positionally, I'm going to have to hire them. I, that, 
that's someone that I pay to be in yeah, that yeah. position. Otherwise, it's gonna it's gonna have to take time. But then, then the relationships are already there. So if someone hired, they're immediately trying to build relationships. Yeah. So you just build the relationship on the front end, and then allow the position to take care of itself. Yeah, when I'm when I'm looking for leaders in our church, I know, you know, I would I would take someone, I would take an average leader with relationships over a really good resume with no relationships. That's right. You know, re- resume is not as important as relationships. I think when it comes to yeah. the church leadership, for sure. And, uh, and that's what I'm talking about hiring. Like I'm, yeah. I'm still looking at whether that, even if I'm hiring somebody from the outside for a position in, I'm, I'm still looking for somebody who's, who can build relationships. You right. Know? So let me, uh, you know how I like to throw other questions in that we don't come up with beforehand yeah, sure, yeah. and surprise y'all with questions. Well, here's one. Here's that time. Gotcha. Uh, I'm asking you two guys, all three of us have been a part of a plant. Alan, uh, has planted, um, really, Without taking on a revitalization effort or anything like that, they planted in Elkmont, Alabama. New, new work, um, yeah, right. A new work. Our new work at Lindsay Lane East when I was there, that Heath is there now, uh, was one where there was a group of senior adults that was left over. It was revitalized revitalization effort slash plant slash everything. Yeah. So, but it was new works altogether. So, my question to to y'all is: if we have any church planters listening, or just people that are starting new works, um. New works do need new leaders. It'd be great to have them quickly, too, when you get mm-hmm. started. So how do y'all sift through that um, spiritually and, you know, professionally when you do have people? Because from my experience, uh, there would be people that would show up and you'd be like, thank you, Lord. And then there would be people that show up and you'd be like, oh, Lord. You know? Yeah. Yeah, we've had, yeah, we've had those. I, I would say one thing that I have, I have said multiple times over our ministry and it is affirmed over and over and over at Lindsay Lane North is God will give you exactly what you need exactly when you need it if you are depending on him for those yeah. things. Now where we get into trouble is when we start putting square pegs into round holes right. and trying to fit things for him but God yeah. will provide exactly what you need exactly when you need it. So uh, when we planted with 28 adults uh, we had 28 adults that came from Lindsay Lane a lot of them were, were friends, a lot of them were people we knew, very precious few of them were leaders. They were great servants, willing to do anything but they were not great leaders and when we that, that's okay if you're setting up and tearing down a church but if you are trying to lead home groups that's a that's a different level and you had, we had a lot of people that were uncomfortable with that because truthfully they weren't gifted in those areas and so that meant that we had to call you know people that had been in our church for four five and six months I mean that's when we started looking for group leaders like I was having to call their former pastors and be like, "Hey, yeah. listen, like these folks, we love them and we think they're solid and we're thinking about using them as a leader. Like what do you what are your thoughts on them?" You know, like I would have to do things like that and it was kind of scary, like cuz you you really don't know what you're getting cuz you haven't had that time to build the relationship. But at the end of the day, we can't eliminate God's sovereignty in all of that as well, right? There was a lot of Lord kiss it devil miss it. Yeah. You know, in our first, especially our first rotation or two of groups, there was a lot of that. Um, and not all of them have been home runs, but God has given us exactly what we've needed, exactly when we've needed it. And that's through transitions, that's through everything throughout the history of our church. Um, and we can either trust God for that or we, or we don't. Yeah. Which I think answers the question, too, that was asked is, how can I get back in? You, you've got to factor faith into that. You've got to ask the Lord to prepare you and 
open the doors and close the doors and uh when the when it does open take it in faith uh, put your gifts to work. Yeah, from that perspective, you might be exactly what that church needs exactly when they need it, but it may not be exactly when you want to be in that. That's right. Be patient and uh, look for opportunities. And to answer your question, cast lots. That's what we do. Cast lots. East. We just, Interesting. We, uh, that's all we do. <laughs> I need to do more no. study on that game. That sounds like that. <laughs> there was a lot that's of that good. going on. In that seminary Jesus training. Days. That's it. We learned that. Um but no, I think, and I maybe it doesn't really, maybe it fits into that conversation, but uh, one of the things that we're always doing at East is um, every time we have a leadership vacancy, um, I'm always reassessing. You know what I mean? Just because we needed a leader in a spot yesterday doesn't mean we need that spot tomorrow. And uh, so I'm always, that's been one of the biggest things we've done. I mean, it took us a while to replace some leaders and people were asking questions like, hey, why isn't this spot filled? hey, we're still praying through whether that spot needs to change. And so we're changing job descriptions, we're changing responsibilities, changing titles all the time. And I think one of the biggest things when you talk about church plant, you know, and and, and again, I inherited a six-and-a-half-year-old church, but um, I think at the same time, I'm I'm always, yes, I've got, I've got to look at where I think God wants us to be uh, vision-wise as a pastor and what leaders do I need to help me get there. And that's what I'm looking. I'm looking at positions, and I'm looking at responsibilities. But I've also got to look around my people, right? And so, okay, what gifts do we have in the church? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, maybe th- maybe I, in my head, for vision wise, this position would go this way. But I've got some leaders here that could fit here, and maybe it just looks a little bit different based on that. So uh, that's where we get that round peg square hole yeah. is is trying to balance between the vision of the church and the people that God's put before you, and uh, and just rolling with who you got, and. Um, and maybe in the, still accomplish the same vision, just maybe in a little bit different way than you expected to. Yeah, and it's not oversimplistic to say pray if, pray about it. That's, that's exactly right. right. Like that's not oversimplistic on either side of that. If you're the leader looking for the the spot, or you're the person looking to fill a leadership position, like we have prayer is representative of our dependency on God. And if we trust in God and we're depending on Him, then we're going to be people of prayer, and it's got to happen. Um, you know, for us. I've learned that the hard way. Ask the Lord to send the workers to the field. Yep, that's it. As as we're talking right now, and this may be edited out, but I'd like to point out, (laughs) Heath has just put a Hershey's kiss in his mouth. I thought y'all were going to talk for a second. Sorry. And uh, we're about to transition, though. Question number three. Um, No. Uh, Where we want to go next, man, there were – we have some leaders that – that serve, of course, this would not have to do with, with church leadership. This would have to do with uh, uh, organizations and, and businesses and things that um, where people are people are serving in leadership roles, trying to lead other people, uh, but are kind of feel like their hands are tied spiritually a little bit and that, um, that they can't live out their faith um, as well. And so kind of one of the questions that we got was, how can I bring Christ and my faith into a job when my company discourages those types of interactions? So what advice would you have for those kind of guys where, you know, the boss says, hey, don't include scripture in your emails. You know, you can't share your faith at work. All of those kind of things that we've heard um, in a growing so culture I, around us. I, I'm going to – I don't know if this is going to answer the question, but maybe this answers – part of it for those that are heading into a place that may be like that. Gotcha. Um, start there. I think you got to think about Daniel. Daniel purposed in his heart what the scripture said, yeah, which yeah. means he decided before he decided. 
I think when you are looking at the next opportunity that seems like it will be the best opportunity, yeah. get all the information you can about what you're going into. You then have to think about who you are and what your convictions are, and then you, you need to make that decision before it comes. So when somebody comes to you and says, uh, I'm going to need you to work on these days or we cannot include this in our uh, job performance, uh, you'll know right off in your heart if if that's n- not something that you are willing or able to do, yeah. so it's a no for you. Um, I I, just, I think we need to do a better job of preparing ourselves for the jobs we are looking at or going into, um, knowing if we can navigate those things well, letting our light shine, being able to have great spiritual conversations, knowing the word enough to where we don't have to just copy and paste it on things. And I, I think that's great if you do that. I'm just saying, if if you are set up to work in a big cultural environment that may threaten that and you know you can handle it and look forward to it then hey yeah. you you got the opportunity before you but if there's things that you know will bother you bother your heart bother your convictions you have to you have to decide before you decide and before that opportunity comes uh, on the front end I, I would say add to that like man that I, I do think I do think career and money factors too heavily in that initial decision Right. Usually for us, yeah. usually it's it's the dollar sign or the work hours or something not spiritual that is determining that. And so to that, that's a that's a very it's a very good point. I would also uh, remind uh, that person who's who's dealing with those issues is that we we are the light of the world and the salt of the earth, um, which means is two things. One, those that are in the world, of course. There, that's not something that they want to hear. The gospel is offensive. You know, yeah. it, it begins with we're broken. It begins with um, that we can't save ourselves. There's yeah. nothing we bring to that table, and we are the 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 light of the world and the salt of the earth. Now, what we can't be is the person that has truth but is rebellious in the way that we go about projecting that stuff so so i'll tell you this like if 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 there is if i've got a boss or something like that hey i don't don't need this i don't need i don't want you referencing scripture i don't want you offering to pray before we meet or something like that you need to go to that boss you're in the say you're in the situation you're you're in it okay great thanks andy john that's great advice but i'm in it you know like now, now you've you've got to have you've also got to respect authority that's right. You know, if we're yeah. also if we're being obedient to scripture, we recognize that God has put that person in authority over Peter, us. Right. right. So so we've got to be respectful. We've got to honor them in as much as we are honoring God through that, which means that if we're doing things that are dishonoring God, then then we can't. But also there may not be public stances that that we may be prevented from from taking but also how effective are those things what yeah. is more effective is one-on-one building yeah. relationships with people and those things can't be stopped right? right it's like taking prayer saying they took prayer out of school no they didn't yeah no, as long That's as there's right. tests there's gonna be prayer in school right <laughs> yeah. like like they hadn't taken and prayer girlfriends. out of school and <laughs> right but it's please that. tell me lord please make her say less <laughs> yeah. lord please make her say yes uh but that's the 
but that's kind of the the lie that we believe that's in right. that. And so if there is no context in which I can publicly make my faith known in a corporate setting, I certainly can in a relational setting. Yeah. Um, and maybe we maybe we have to have that conversation of maybe this isn't the place for me. And yeah. maybe the reason why it's so hard is we don't want to lose what we have in that position to have those hard conversations with bosses, um, yeah. which, again, shows kind of the idolatry in our hearts. Well, and, and I think what you just said, Alan, I think is exactly right because I've, I've had guys come to me in the past and, and they say, yeah, my, my business doesn't allow me to share my faith or, or do whatever, he said, but – no business can re- prevent you from answering questions. Yeah. And what this, what oh, I think about one guy in particular uh, was one of my youth workers at, at uh, Salem Springs when I first started. And that's what he said. He said, I just live my life before my guys. And I tell them at the beginning of the year, so they come on with me. I'm here for you. I pray for you regularly. If you need me for anything, I'm here. And he said, they see the way I live my faith out. I don't, I don't go out of my way. I don't share scripture with them all the time. And he said, but when, when junk hits the fan, he said they always find their way in my office over everybody over anybody else's because they know what I stand for and they know who I believe in and um, and I think there's so I think at a bare minimum if this is you man just just live out live living out your faith doesn't necessarily mean you're spitting scripture twenty four seven like there's a ton of looking like Christ that doesn't involve quoting scripture yeah. compassion love. Uh, joy, like all of the things that we that that Jesus was, aside from the words he said, like it's it's still something that you can do. Um, and you're not water that like when you say that, and I say amen to both of y'all. If you're both preaching, I say amen to both of you because if if you do what you just said, some people would be like, "No, you're watering it down." No, you're not watering it down. You're just building relationships. That's it. And ministry works best in the context of relationships. And uh, I, I even made a few notes here that I, I see things come across like in emails and different things that say uh, you need to you need to know what your rights are. Well, yeah, you need to know what your rights are, but not so that you can grandstand. Yeah. I mean, it, mm-hmm. I think we want to guard and arm ourselves with that knowledge of what this says we have the right to do and yeah. all those things. I, I do think that you need to know your rights so that you'll be knowledgeable, uh, but not so that you can emotionally fire back at someone when they call you That's out right. on something. I mean, if we want to – reach people we uh we we need to let our light shine we really do and and yes be be prepared to answer when somebody asks you right is even what the scripture says and so yes be knowledgeable and as alan said both of you said build relationships um when people experience a loss in their that life then reach out to them minister to them ask how they're doing and earn favor with your bosses you know i think we see in scripture there were times when godly leaders were leading underneath ungodly leaders so earn favor with with those uh those that do not believe and and watch the lord give you influence and if you have influence this is another thing if you're a community leader um business leader know your organization because if you know and i don't want to say the words get away with it but if you know that you have the room to influence towards things the things of god use it Use it till you can't anymore because there there are doors that you you guys know this. There are opportunities we have to minister to local organizations that we use because other local leaders allow us to come in and even share the gospel. So do it. And you also have, and I know we're getting to something that is very much in this vein, but also people think that 
private means passive. Like, yeah. you know, that, that if, if, if what we do is private. So you brought, you brought up, you know, one of you guys brought up Daniel. Mm-hmm. It's a great example for this. Oh. What all did Daniel do? The, the righteous decisions he made were all in his heart. Now, they did affect an outside to a certain degree, right? Daniel refused purpose in his heart not to defile himself with the king's meat. Yeah. That right. wasn't it. That wasn't what got him in the lion's den. Now, that, that yeah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and not bowing down and all that. Yeah. Um, Daniel, what got him in trouble was he went to his room, he shut the door, yeah. and he prayed with his window open facing yeah. Jerusalem. Right. That's, that's what got him in trouble. Yeah. It was his private devotion. Now, fast forward. Now it's very public. Now his stance is, and, and, and by the way, there was persecution that he endured. But after the lion's den, then you look at one of the most remarkably spiritual depictions of the power and the salvation of God, and it is not uttered by Daniel. It is uttered by King Nebuchadnezzar. Yep. Yep. Or Darius, King Darius, right? Like he is the one that's saying there is no God who is able to save to this degree. Right. And and so and that didn't come from grandstanding. It didn't come from the public. He wasn't hanging Bible verses out his window. No, he was praying it, with yeah. the door shut, and and that's what led him to that platform. And so when persecution comes, fine, but there. We don't have to take up arms against the world. The world is not our enemy. The world is our prize. It is the prize of the church. It is not the enemy of the church. And so we can't adopt this, this, this mentality that our boss is our enemy, that, that he is trying to squelch us, the government is, is our enemy. No, your boss, God deserves the worship of your boss. God deserves the worship of the government. And we see people that way. It changes the way that we view them and the animosity sometimes that we sinfully can allow in our heart because we think we have a reason to do it. It's still Bible verses that everybody that's ever seen anybody picketing on the side of the road. In, in I remember in, in New Orleans or even in uh, like on billboards, you know, you'll read these billboards. You're like, well, that doesn't make me want to go and find out the hope yeah. that's in Jesus. Yeah. They're they're verses that they're referencing, but they're out of the context of relationship, and they're yep. cold and they're they're hurtful, right? And so you just have to be careful when you do that. The the end of Acts chapter two is one that's been on my heart uh, for our church recently because it ends like you you know you got all those scriptures that we've all preached on before, I'm sure, but. You know, it talks about how they just the church was taking care of one another. There's three thousand people that you know that trusted in Christ at Peter's sermon there at Pentecost, and it says that they loved one another, they took care of each other, they devoted themselves to the scriptures, they prayed together, uh, they attended temple together, they broke bread in their homes together, received their food with glad and generous hearts. But verse forty seven says, praising God and having favor with all the people. Um, and and then you can say no, no, he's just talking about the church. They had the favor with no, no, no. Because then the next thing he says is, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And like it wasn't, it wasn't the incredible preaching, it wasn't the incredible, you know, scripture. The way that they, you know, the billboards that they put up in, <laughs> in and around Jerusalem. It was the way they loved each other and other people. Um, and man, I, I just think, I think to those that are that have that question in your heart about, hey man, I feel a little stifled in the way that I can share my faith in my workplace. Um, uh, we just encourage you. There's a lot you can do. Um, There's a lot you can do to show the love of Christ and and faith um, without feeling like you have to, 
you know, wear a T-shirt every day that says Jesus on it or put Bible verses up around your workplace. Like, there's a lot you can do. Well, too, and I, I love to sit around this table, have our campus pastors quoting Scripture, going to Scripture, because it. I think Christian leaders have to be full of the Word. I remember uh, one leader at a conference said one time, and if he summed it up, he would say that Christian leaders are those who are full of God's Word and ready to pour out from it. So we take our cue from from the standard of God. First Timothy two, when we think about what can we do, what should we do, you know, the Scripture says we keep saying pray, and we think, well, that ain't enough. You know, yeah. the Scripture says in First Timothy, it says, I urge you first of all to pray for all people, and ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, give thanks for them. You go to verse two, and then it also says, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority, so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives, marked by godliness and dignity. It does not. I mean, you think about what that doesn't say. So, so that we're not loud and picketing, so that we live such dignified lives that it shows up as as different. Uh, and I know there's times to protest. I, I understand that, and and I, I I get all that. Sometimes I just think like when we see God's word tell us to pray and rely upon Him to fix it and to work in the hearts of the those that would oppose the things that we are for. We just look at that and be like, "Well, that's not enough, Lord. That's yeah, not yeah, enough." Yeah. What you know? else? And and but that that is in fact depending upon God, and and I also think about those that you think about the people in your life that have made the greatest spiritual difference in your life. Did they know the scripture? Yes. Did they were they able to quote it? Yep. But you probably deem those that you have think that had the most impact on you as those not just being able to quote it or know it, but those who lived it out in front of you. That's right. Yeah. That's why you think of them and hold them in that high regard. And nobody can take away your private prayer life, and nobody can take away your shining example yeah. uh, of, of, of living like Christ. Yeah. I think the actions you take um, have got to be rooted in faith in God. Uh, again, I'm preaching this Sunday. Uh, through We're going through Galatians and, and looking at where Paul takes this uh, – it's not an analogy. What do, what do you say? Uh, I can't think of the, the term, but he uses Hagar and um, uh, Sarah uh, to reference the old te- the old covenant and the new covenant. And the, the, he says the difference is, is is Hagar represents man trying to accomplish God's purpose by their own uh, efforts, right? Yeah. God told Abraham, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you a family. He said, cool, I'm going to go in the tent with this chick right here, and we fix them, take care of it. Because my and wife then, can't do it. Because my wife can't do yeah. it. And then the guy comes back and says, no, 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 you missed it. That's not what I meant. Uh, Sarah's going to have a baby, and then they trust God, and then that's where uh, the promise is fulfilled. And I think, and again, not to, uh, passiveness is not what we're calling for. Right. We're calling for faith, uh, full of faith. And any action you take in your organization for protest or for whatever, make sure that it is rooted in faith in God, that he's going to take care of the situation, and, and it's not your efforts that are going to take care of it. Yeah. Right. So one of the questions, I know you've been reading all the questions, but I do think this is a great segue. Yeah. So um, because there are agendas out there that are very aggressive. Right. There are agendas out there that are not, that it's not just, hey, I'm going to do my thing and, I, and I, you're going to do your thing. It's yeah. I need you to approve my thing, you yeah, know. Yeah. And, well, and I, th- I think the difference here is what we just talked about was there are certain things you can't do here. Yeah. But now this is this question is going to get to, Hey, there are things I need you to do here that you may not be comfortable with. Right. right? And, and so, so and so this question is as a leader, how do you navigate alternative lifestyle and other types of agendas from your senior leaders or corporation? What hills are worth dying on? Um, um 
so so yeah so so definitely all that we have just talked about is is important to bear in mind here but specifically on this on this topic like how do you respond to that i just i go back to you have to um ask yourself that question before the question comes you know you got to put yourself in that situation if a leader um is going to place you in a situation where you have to do something outside of your convictions, how will you navigate it or, or what you will do? Because uh, it's, it's, it's very difficult. Um, I, it's even difficult, I'd say, to even answer in this moment when we think yeah. about being in that, that situation. Um, Blanket uh, statement here seems Yes. I mean, you're, scary, you're looking at case-by-case case situation. You're looking in relationships because, um, you know, h- how we stand – is is the most important thing. Um, I think it was Alistair Begg. I think that's the guy that said this, but you, you cannot, when, when it comes to alternative lifestyles, those things that you would just simply say that Scripture calls out as sin because it calls out our sin, you know, too. It calls out uh, sin in all, all areas. But, um, you know, it, he would say you, you cannot hate and you cannot affirm either. That's, yeah. that's a, sort of the balancing act that you walk. Um, and, and what that looks like practically um is important for for you to consider before the situation ever comes. Well, and I think too, like you, I do think sometimes with our Christian hats on, we can feel like it's our need, it's it's on us to make someone feel bad about their sin. Since when has it been the job of the church to convict the world of sin? Right, it's never been. Right. what we post, what we we put out there, whatever political rhetoric we we you know will will support, like it's not our job to make someone feel bad about the fact that they are living outside of God's perfect design for relationship and marriage or whatever it is or anything else for that matter. But we feel like it's our need to do that. Well, whose whose job is that? It's the Holy Spirit. That's right. Again, we're trusting God to do those things. And I think there's procedure, and I think a lot of the same things that we've already talked about apply. I think going to the the boss and saying, hey, this is this is where I stand on this. Is there a, a workaround? Is there a way that we can get around this? I know a, a personal friend of mine right now that has dealt with some of this. And so they've avoided using pronouns entirely um, be because of that, but it, it involved not only the superior, but it also involved the individual. Hey, I want you to know that I care about you and I love you and I want you on this team and I value who you are. Um, but this is something that goes against what I, I believe. Now, are they going to hear that? I, I, I don't know. Um, yeah. but you've got to, you, you've, there's, there's got to be love involved in it and to recognize that you don't, you don't have to convict them or convince them that what they're doing is wrong. Yeah, that's the job of the Holy Spirit, and so and so be careful how we because that if we're doing that now we're using the law now we are judges of the law and there is yeah. according to James there is only he only Christ is the judge of the law. Yeah, so we just we 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 do have to be careful getting in that mindset um, because we we have to trust the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit can do. Yeah. So. And this is, and I feel like I'm sidestepping the the difficulty of the question, but I want to ask this question or make this statement, uh, kind of a question first. 
Like out of everyone in an organization, if there's you know homosexual person working in an organization, out of everybody there, who should love that person more than anybody else? That's exactly those right. who know Christ or those who don't, and those and who like, know love. If you know Christ, you yeah, know love. You right. know how to love. Yeah, and that's you know we got a guy at our church. He he, he was going through some like working at a bank and wound up getting paired up uh, through his training with with a guy who's a homosexual and and uh, just became good friends and good conversation and and then uh, he found out he was serving at a church and the relationship was kind of strained a little bit and he was like, "Hey man, like I still like yeah, like I love you, man. Like we're still." I still want to talk. I still want to hang out, you know, because this guy recognized, like, if if God's going to use me to help this guy recognize that he, he he's he's living in sin, it's going to be through love. You know what I mean? It's probably not going to be through uh, a Facebook post that he reads that I posted later, you know, an anonymous post about, you know, like it, it's, it's not going to come through a text message I send where I include some scripture about homosexuality being a sin. Like it's going to be through the context of relationships because ministry happens best in the context of relationships. I believe life change happens best yeah. in the context of relationships. And, um, and so I say, it, you know, one thing is, is if, if it can't be our desire as Christians have to be people to come to Christ uh, through love, um, even through this situation. So always keep that in mind. It's an individual. So I, w- I was added this too. Like we're t- we're talking to adult leaders. Like if we're leading a student ministry conference, we're also going to pour on very heavily to guard your heart. You know, for it yeah, affects yeah, everything yeah. that you do, and, and not taking away the message of love, but probably with more of an emphasis on you need to know what you believe, stand within the worldview that that lines up with scripture. And out of that, and so we, we're making this assumption that Christian leaders are listening now. That's um, right. But I, when I when I said that too, again, I think it's First John that tells us if you you know if you know God, you know love. That's it. So that means you know how to love. Uh, but anybody in my life, those folks in my life that love me the most, do not affirm everything I do. In fact, yeah. that's how I know that they love me. That's right. Is because they look out. We tell our kids all the time, nobody in this world loves you more than your mom or your daddy. So we're going to tell you the truth. And usually that yeah, that usually applies to don't go this way. That yeah. that's not the way you want to go. Uh, go this way because it's the way you want to. And I I realize too. I just just when I get real practical, I think um, you know guard your own heart. Know what you believe when you're in these situations. Um, stand yes, but lovingly stand. Yeah. Uh, don't don't no. grandstand. Just stand. Mm-hmm. And 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 all of this too. Um, there may be a time when you it's checked every. A box of your heart towards your convictions, and you've got to step down, or you've got to stand up, and and you've got to trust the Lord in that moment, yeah. and just know that if you yeah. go any further, it violates your conviction so much that you give up your witness. Yeah. Uh, and, and and but there are also times where if you just um, if you if you don't do anything at all and you're passive, um, then then you're not you're not helping either because the, the passive part, if we are not representing Christ in in all that we do. Then, then we are sort of opening the door to, um, again, what I mentioned of, of affirming. You, yeah. you don't need to present yourself as affirming everything and anything because that's not the truth either. And no. just remember, that person's greatest need is not to quit being homosexual. That is a symptom of a greater problem. That's right. Every one of our needs, we all are in the same boat. All of us, 
greatest need that we have is Jesus and new yeah. life in him. Yeah. And so when that's the main thing, it, it flavors what we do differently. Yeah. Now we're not treating symptoms. Now we're now we're we're driving at what is optimally important in their life and things that that can change all the other stuff. Yeah. You gotta know too, we we, we say the words alternative lifestyles. I, th- I think in 2023 we have in our minds that, like yeah. we we've said homosexual seven several times, and we all know here that's one alternative that's lifestyle right. that's that we all like to throw out. But we have heterosexuals living alternative lifestyles. Yeah. Uh, whether you know we can throw out all kinds of labels, and so that's why we have to stay as close to the, the word as we can, um, and live those things out and and see sin for what it is across the yeah. spectrum, not yeah. not just in something that we would view as, well, that's vile or we're so distant from that. Uh, if the Scripture calls it out as, as wrong, is wrong. That, that would be alternative. Yeah, we, we're, we're being a, a Pharisee when we do that. That's right? right. Like Because it's not my sin, I feel better about myself attacking your sin because I don't have to think about my sin as much. Boy, that's a that's a question we could seriously talk about for three different sessions. Yeah. I mean, or yeah. every three same sessions. Yeah, because, you know. Maybe we answered that one to the person that sent it in. Uh, maybe that was good. Um, let's uh, let's let's look at at, at uh, two more right quick. Um, I have a hard time with saying yes to every request on my time. How can I discern what I should say yes to and what I should say no to? Um, I'll say this is a question we talk about a lot. Yeah. And so it's something that is near and dear to our heart. Andy John has has, has tried to help us understand this through our I think through our values. And there are a lot of the things that we do. And so what would you guys say to this question? Boy. We are all, probably all three around this <laughs> yeah. table really bad at the yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all three don't want to answer this question yeah. because we, we are that way, you know, to yeah. a fault. That's right. Uh, I think it, it really it really does go to um, having a clear purpose and mission um, and vision for what you do. And um, and I think, I think it was back to Jeff Hodges' podcast. You know, Jeff, uh, we talked about Jeff. Jeff was involved in a ton of organizations, but I think one of y'all asked the question, how do you balance what do you say yes and what do you say no to? And he said, um, you know, I'm, I'm always careful that, that the things I get involved in are things that uh, align with who I am and what I feel like God's put me on the earth to do. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that's, that's the first narrowing down yeah. is does this fit in uh, uh purpose wise not even getting into time all that stuff like just purpose does this fit in with with what i'm doing and and what i feel like i who i am so I, you know, that's the first funnel this this goes i don't think it helps answer the question but but i well, would that's do good, then throw I, it all right i do think this is important though uh we do have to guard ourselves from becoming too focused on the things that we do and are called to, like, I may not be spiritually gifted to do some things, but I'm still called to do them, you know. Uh, and I, I do think that leaders, if you're really good at tunnel vision towards doing what you do and only doing that, then you probably need the message of, yes, but those who follow you need to see you doing some other things so they'll know that you're flexible and that you'll serve and help and not just do what you're tunneled in on. Um, so, so if you've already, you like, I got that. I, I'm great at telling people, no, <laughs> you got to know there's a thread in that too, careful. you know? Yeah. Be careful with it. Cause you can go way too much to the other side. Um, 
But the brother, brother Sonny, I always say this because it reminds me of this. Usually when I've done said yes too much, but he always said to us when Sonny Schofield uh, said, when, when you say yes to one thing, you say no to another. Yep. Yep. And that always, usually, I would say always usually is contradictory, but it, it seems to apply to our family a lot of times that we've said yes to something, which means we've told our family no towards time that we could spend with them. It is a, it's a, it's hard to answer that question really yeah and you you know everybody's heard like it takes a certain spiritual maturity to say yes to things Mm. you know sometimes if all you're saying is no that's that's problematic um takes a certain spiritual maturity to to answer the call um it takes another level of spiritual maturity to be able to say to say no and so um yeah understand your gifting understand you know, and understand the things too. And this is this Andy Stanley taught this at an Orange Conference way back in the day when I was in college. And he said, uh, "Never sacrifice a position that anybody can fill for a role that only you can fill." Yeah. Um, and so, and so, if I die tomorrow, there will be another pastor at Lindsay Lane North. Mm-hmm. Um, there will never be another biological father my kids yeah um that's a job only i can do that's it um now there may be other people and hopefully there's only one you know husband to to becca you know that's a job only i can i can feel but uh (laughs) (laughs) but but like how am i (laughs) he's yeah that really but but you know how how am i prioritizing it that way because we tend to prioritize it the other way like who, who, what, what will is squeaking the loudest, oh. uh, which is always going to be ministry because our family oh. are used to us sacrificing time with them. They're just doing it again. And a lot of times they're not doing it. I've come from a pastor's family. I wasn't doing that to be noble. I was doing that because I just was used to doing it. And I, I'll tell I, I'll tell this story and I'll be done. My dad, one time, uh, he was on standby for the hospital. Anybody that died, that was dying, and needed wanted to have a preacher come and pray for them before they died, he was on the standby to do that. That that list exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got a call one time, was headed up, and he did, did that all the time. And he called me. We were planning a family night at home, and we are going to fish and grill out, and it was going to be a fun night. Well, he called me and said, Alan, Hey, buddy, somebody's dying at the hospital, and they want a preacher. And I'm going to share Jesus with them, you know. And I even was excited for my dad. I was like, yeah, Dad, I think that, that that's great. And, and he said, but keep everything out because we'll probably be home. I'll be home, and we can we can do some fishing when I get back. And I said, oh, Dad, that's awesome, and I'll be praying for you. But I'm going to go ahead and put up the fishing stuff because I'll probably be asleep like I was last time. Oh. And Dad, like, immediately called the chairman of the deacons again a job anybody could do yeah yeah, yeah. called him i am i'm headed home yeah you know and you just got to prioritize that i think we need to guard our yeses in our short term um in that be careful what you say yes to think about the time that you have this week i mean like right what's in front of you i think but i think we almost need to guard our the things we say no to long term and i think it it was goes back what you guys said there are some things i need to say yes to because those who serve under me and beside me need to see me doing those right. things. And it may be a time constraint. Like, it may put mm-hmm. more on my plate than I need this week, but they need to see me doing it. Yeah. And if they don't see me doing it, long-term, they're not going to respect me and I'm not going to be able to I'm not going to be able to lead them well. And so maybe guard your yeses in the short term, guard your noes in the long term, and uh, let that 
help drive you. That's some Kerry Newhoff stuff right there, man. That was yeah, good. Just and just because, like, there again, there are things we have to do. We we work by deadlines because Sunday's always coming. That's we, it. We've got to. We've got to study and not just study, but put the appropriate amount of study into preaching that it deserves and calls for so that it'll yeah. be, you know, uh, well done. But just because I have to study doesn't mean that if you need help putting up tables, yeah. if I've got two minutes, I'll help you put up tables. Yeah. And, and again, that goes a long way in, in leadership. But if this is the part that I think is the right answer, but I have trouble with, if you can establish your rhythms around what you have to do according to your job description, that is the most important. If you can establish those rhythms, the folks that may need you won't bother you during those rhythms because yeah. they know at this time during this week, this is what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and, and, of course, you can determine your own flexibility outside of that. It's keeping those rhythms and That's saying it. no yeah. to, at this time, I must do this. Uh, but what you can't do, I think, when you lead people is you can't speak for every minute of the day, five days a week, so they can't ever ask you to help them. Yeah. So you, you, you had, and Alan, you said this one time. This has been a few years ago, but Alan, you said during a meeting um, that when people are asking us to do things and we want to help, but we just can't because if we do, then it's going to stretch our time thin. You said we've got to get better at the, at the reluctant no. I don't know if you even remember that. But it's basically telling people you took can't. It from John yes, Maxwell. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I remember yeah, John that Maxwell. But but you He's actually quite often. you're not just giving people a hard no. You're not just telling people I yeah, can't do it. it. Yeah. You're apologetically because we are. I mean, we the truth is is we all do want to do everything, yeah. which is foolish. But but we <laughs> have that desire to to make everything right and to help everybody do everything. Yeah. Um, so apologetically give them a no. That's just a practical uh, application of not being a jerk. Uh, yeah, but yeah. but letting them know you're sorry that you cannot help them at that time. And a part of that is giving them a reason why not. Now some That's people right. don't want that, and they're like, "Hey, you didn't have yeah, to you don't tell, have to tell me, me that." Right. Um, but hey, I'm I can't do that because I'm going to my son's ball game. Hey, I can't do that because I'm spending time in the world. Tuesdays are my study day. Right. Like, give them give them that reason, and then what you're actually doing is leading them. You're actually teaching yeah, them right. priorities, and that you're helping them as they as they go as well. That's yeah. right. All right, hey, last question, and then uh, Andy John's got some fun stuff for us at the end. Um, last question here is, when dealing with volunteers or part-time employees, so we're talking about people have different schedules maybe than what you keep, okay? So this is for bosses, for pastors, for whatever, um, leaders. Um, you're dealing with people who have different schedules than you do. How do you communicate with them effectively and and lead and lead them um in an effective way, I guess. Um, so, what's your uh, what's your advice there, guys? <laughs> this is this is a tough one because um, you have people that volunteer, people that serve servant lead in the church, uh, but they're not paid. You know, they, they yeah. it's so that's what makes it difficult. However, um, brother Dusty, we would we would have these discussions about addressing someone that serves here or leads here in a certain volunteer capacity. And there's an issue that needs to be addressed, and and he would always say if they're sitting in the pews, um, and and we don't know who they are, or they don't have any kind of title attached to them underneath our leadership structure, whether that be paid worker or whether that be just volunteer, uh, there's not much we can do with them. They're just sitting in the pews, and they leave, and they come back to in the pews. He said, but as soon as that word leaders attached to them, yeah, then then they have accountability to us, and so um, I, I think if they lead, there is accountability because they have told you they are available to lead in this way. Yeah. But that word availability, and Heath, you and I have talked about this uh, recently because 
Uh, we, we've talked a little bit about interns or um, the prospects of planning again and um, who would that be? Or, or let's just say somebody wants to get involved in church leadership and they, they want to come alongside you and learn. Whoever that is, they have to have the time to do it. Yeah. They have to be available. They cannot just say, man, yeah, I'm going to get there as much as I can. Well, yeah. if get there as much as you can means then we'll count on you as much as you can. Yeah. But but if you have the availability and uh, there there's some structure in that uh, availability, then that's when the accountability comes next. And so I don't know if that answers specifically, but yeah. I, I would say if, if you have volunteers that have told you they're in and whatever you need and they say things like that, yeah. uh, if they're putting their yes on the table, then – I definitely think you have to establish expectations up front for those volunteer leaders and tell them, hey, there's times, like one of our staff values is show up and stay late because stay late happens a lot in the church world. Um, So you have to establish those expectations, communicate them well. But you also, I think, have to give uh, elbow room to those that uh, have something come up or they've had a bad day or they got family. Um, That's important to remind yourself, too. They are not working for you that you're serving the Lord in this church. Uh, yeah, I was, you kind of touched on it there. I was going to go super nerdy and say uh, job descriptions, like clear expectations. Because uh, I think one of the, the messes that I've gotten into with leaders is oftentimes where um, I keep asking volunteers or part-time people to do certain things, and, and my expectation comes in a lot higher than theirs, you know, and they get frustrated. And, um, and so that's one of the things that we've tried to, we're trying to do at East is just have very clear expectations. And so that then they have a little bit of freedom to go, Hey man, like, is that something you expect me to do at that point? You know what I mean? Because, uh, but because then we can both sit down with the job description and say, can you do these things? And let's talk about what they look like. And then if they agree to it, then there's, there's that we've, we've agreed. This is the expectation. And so now we can, we can get here. Um, and so it's it's just a lot a lot less confusion, I guess. Um, than but if you just hire some guy or you have a volunteer who just says I'll help with whatever you need, um, they don't really mean whatever you need. Probably, yeah. You know what I mean? Hey, yeah, that's right. Midnight, you got a leaky faucet. Call them. Like, eh, probably wasn't it. Um, but I, I think there's a there's a, a clear expect maybe expectations clear would be my advice for sure. Yeah. Well, and I say for me, like it's easy for me to plan eight to five because that's my work hours. That's it. And it's the hardest thing for bivocational or volunteer people to plan eight to five because they plan it about their jobs, you know? Right. And, yeah. and so it becomes very difficult then because, and you can't spend all your time trying to communicate with us and take time away from your family too. Yeah. Like there is a balance there, but, but just being able to maybe just to keep that in the back of your mind that there are people that are functioning on a different clock than you. And, yeah. and, and uh, our administrative pastor said this one time, and I, I thought it was very, very good. He said, you know, I'm stepping into a position, right, where I have had it from every side. I know what I'm asking somebody who is a volunteer who has been in a secular position. I know what I'm asking them to give up a Saturday or to give up yeah. a Tuesday night or to give up a whatever, a weekend. I know what I'm asking them because I know what it's like to juggle full-time work and part-time ministry or even volunteer ministry. Yeah. And, and that's, that was just a perspective I've never really thought of, um, you know, because it is our job, and, and that does make it, unique and so just 
not forgetting, right, that there are uh, there are other rhythms, and being able yeah. to make enough margin to when you communicate things, make sure that you're not just communicating with people that you see right beside yeah, you, yeah. but that you are communicating across the board. And and I know that I can improve on that. Um, but but at the end of the day, right, I also don't need to plan all, every staff meeting we ever have at six thirty at night. Yeah. You know, because I'm never going to see my family. You know, yeah, so so there right. is a balance there, but but it is something to be mindful of. I was going to say, just just be reminded too that if you don't communicate those expectations, like you talked about, Heath, if you don't do that well, if you don't know your people who are serving for you in those volunteer roles, let's just say they can't be there, or let's just say they quit. You've got to cover it. Yeah, you can't get mad and be like, well, they didn't show up. Well, we don't. They're not here, but you are. You, yeah. You've got to cover that, which means if you'll do a great job on the front end of exploring the availability, yeah. and and explaining the accountability and and setting expectations, then you don't get into those situations much. And I, I would also say that, um, you know, you deal with people like Jesus did. You give law to the proud and grace to the humble. When somebody comes to you and is like, "I'm just so sorry, My, I've had this kind of day," and uh, yeah. I, I apologize don't make them feel worse you know <laughs> they already feel bad enough uh, and, and and then the same thing if they already enter with the attitude of i know what you're gonna say because i you know you can say well we we have you did sign your name in blood and tell me that you would serve you know but obviously yeah, we don't do that but. and the piece I actually asked about communication as well and just know you know that i mean there may be a day where i have an urgent question and I need you to. I need a volunteer or a, a, a volunteer leader to get to it as quick as possible because we're there's something. But if I if I if I guard our schedule and I stay ahead on planning, then I can communicate with them and say, "Hey, when you get to this, give me a response." Right. And I think that's the thing that I found frustrates leaders sometimes is I'm if I get behind on on calendar stuff and I get behind on my own schedule, I'm I'm reaching out to them and needing answers quick. Um, and that's unfair to them uh, when they've got when they're on a roof roofing or they're at a desk working on you know whatever. Um, I need to I need to be able to send them a question, and I shouldn't be able to very often expect an immediate answer yeah. because they do have stuff going on um, and they they're thinking about other things, the things they get paid to think about. Yeah. Um, and so uh, just send them a, some just balance. send them a memo that says that's marked urgent A, urgent B, urgent C, urgent D, <laughs> or send them a wolf. <laughs> Again, Alan has no response because I know these that are this is office. This is office services. Office urgent office A, stuff. urgent B. Yeah. All right. Hey, well, that was the questions we got. Uh, again, if there were things that were on your mind that you wish we had addressed, send them to us and uh, send them to to one of the three of us, and we'll um, we'll get to those as quick as we can. That's Andy John at LindsayLane.org, Alan at LindsayLane.org. Um, but if you'll just send them to me at Heath at LindsayLane.org, I can sort through those as well. Be um, respectful, though, of our. Um, <laughs> <laughs> of our time, please. Our, <laughs> never mind. Just send them to Heath at lindsaylane.org. No, I'm, no, I'm, I'm saying you know, what you just said. Like, you know, give us time to respond. Uh, yes, that's give right. Give us some time, time to, respond. to respond. Well, Andy John has, we're going to wrap it up with uh, rapid fire questions. Um, and Andy John has some either ors for us. Easiest part of the day. This is Christmas themed either ors. Christmas themed either ors. Uh, colored lights or white lights? White. White. Really? Yep. Colored. Both of you are from rural places in North Alabama. Which makes me want white lights more. Interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm colored lights all the way. Stand out, baby. Uh, coffee or hot chocolate? 
Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. The same. I try. I've tried drinking coffee the last three weeks. It's not going very if well. If you can make coffee taste like hot chocolate, I mean, I you better. Yeah. Put then a the lot calories, of sugar the in calories, the calories, then go <laughs> they, up. They go way up. Uh, seven hours of Christmas movies or seven hours of Christmas shopping. Movies. Movies. Yeah, I like Christmas shopping, but but I, I'm going movies too. Who shops? Um, Just order. Yeah, on Amazon. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> seven hours on Amazon, Amazon or <laughs> yeah, I could do that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Christmas morning or Christmas Christmas month, like the whole thing or just the morning. Christmas morning, uh, like what I look forward uh, to uh, more. Yeah, yeah. Oof, I'm the month. I like the whole thing. Yeah, it's right Oof. fire. Here. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> you uh, really got one or two. I, dude, we got way too many family guys. Like it's a whole thing. Like we both come from big families. I'm going month too. Yeah, so you look forward to it. We celebrate. So Heath and I are saying we actually look forward to getting together with our families. Alan just wants to be at home and open his presents. I'll have you know that my gifts are already always given to me before Christmas morning, so it's not my gifts. Interesting. Um, I I order my own gifts, and my parents just give the money. Like, it's just how that works. (laughs) Boy, that's fun. We're not very sentimental folks. But, But being with my family right around Christmas, so maybe Christmas like three or four days, not... Maybe it's just the morning. Uh, okay, on that note, giving gifts or receiving presents? Depends on what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I Being a dad has made me love giving gifts yeah. more. The older I get, the more giving the gifts yeah. is. And like giving them to your parents and your parents are getting older. That's Because, yeah. you know, before you could buy them like a pen when you were nine, and now you may be able to buy them a gift. From the school stores. Y'all remember the school stores? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. that's right. They used to have those. I'll say I Number like giving gifts. Mode. But, but um, I, love getting, I love getting a really cool surprise gift, though. Like from yeah. somebody who's a good gift giver, and you're like, dude, that's, you know, because yeah. as you get older, you get to choose so many of your presents. Right. Um, it you is, said before it your wife cool. Kelly's a great gift she is, giver. She is. Right. She's a good gift giver, um, and so so I enjoy those surprises uh, from her, especially. But but yeah, definitely giving gifts. Yeah, the more gifts that I give my kids, the more I'm underwhelmed at their response. So like I get we gift <laughs> they just <throw> experiences. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. Like yeah. Uh, right. last year we gifted WWE. <laughs> tickets oh, at awesome. uh, Vaughn Braun Center where we met was a lot where fun. we met all of the East guys there. <laughs> if y'all are like go look at Christmas lights, uh, kind of guys like load up in the car, go experience. Wednesday night at five o'clock is the time to go to Galaxy of Lights because they ain't nobody there. Nobody there. We were there last night. Where's and, that? Uh, Galaxy of Lights. That's over. No, 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 not Panda. No, no, no. This is the one that's been there forever. Oh, bo- the, Botanical uh, Gardens. Botanical Gardens. Yeah, yeah. They've added, like, some some actually moving light. All of it's that old stuff. But they've actually got, like, some dancing LED All lights and stuff now. Tacky colored light. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like a Pro butterfly. colored light. You know, it's it's the most like thing you've ever said. I love them. Uh, turkey or ham? Mm, ham. Oh, I'm turkey. Ooh, it depends. If, ham, if the ham's good. Yeah. It's good. Ham Tur- turkey's had, safer for me. Ham has more like fat content, which I'm I'm a fan of. That's a fair point. <laughs> like, it, it's turkey's so lean, it can be very dry. It can yeah, be yeah, very dry. Yeah, yeah. Ham is harder yeah. to mess up. Turkey got to be sm- smoked or fried, man. That's yes. right. Bingo. Uh, last one here is Elf or Home Alone. Elf. I'm Home Alone. I'm Elf. Really? Yeah. I like Elf. I, I just. Uh, Boy, Home Alone, I can watch all of them be fine. I think I mean, my all kids have hurt ones. me 
on that because I, I might have said Home Alone at one point, but my kids watch Home Alone 1, 2, 3, 7, 12, 16. Like, it's yeah. obnoxious. Yeah. And and if the more you the more sequels you watch, the less you like the originals. <laughs> Although, I do think Home Alone 2 is better than Home Alone 1. See, I need to go back and watch 2 again. Hot take. It is. It that is, is a hot take. It's definitely up there for sure. Uh, the, the scene on Home Alone 1 where they're going to the house and just – is awesome, but Home Alone Two is is fantastic. But what it, with Home Alone Two is is alone in New York. New York, New York. okay. I need. Yeah. To, I'll. He's maxing out his daddy's credit card and all that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's so. Who's good. that guy? What's the name of that guy? That is the is his his uh, oh, he's the guy that brings him all of his stuff. I can't remember who that that guy is, but anyway, that he's like one of the primary bad guys because he's he finally finds out that he's stolen his dad's card or. Is it the same oh. bad guys from the first one and the second uh, one? Well, yeah. You're, you're talking about the guy that works. At, he's the that concierge works at the hotel. That might yeah. be my favorite dynamic of that movie. Is that guy? Yeah, that that's funny. It's funny. He finds out, and he's right. Yeah. Uh, it, all right. Here's a. This is a really random thing. That guy that played the concierge, concierge. in Home Alone Two. Good, good call. Cannot remember his name. He starred in the movie Clue. Have you ever seen the movie Clue? <laughs> I don't think yeah, I he have. He was like the guy in the movie Clue. Know. My sister and I used to watch that a lot when we were little. I would not endorse it because you know how when you watch things when you're little and yep. you don't notice things that are above your head, and then you say, hey, go watch this, and people are like, you watch that when you were little? Yeah. But it was good. Or when you take your kids to go, or you, you see something on streaming, and you're like, oh, you remember this? Yeah. Baby, let's watch this with the kids. They'll love it. And then the whole time, you're like, oh, my. Gosh. Yeah, like you're having to pause it every five the seconds because you don't remember. Parents. Because you watched the TBS version when you're kid. Maybe, yeah. or maybe your parents did the same thing. <laughs> you didn't know it. <laughs> oh man! Uh, All right, good job, guys. Merry Christmas. Merry yes. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you guys for tuning in, and uh, that's a wrap with uh, uh, 2023. It's been fun. It. Yep. Some good interviews we've had this year. Go back and check those out if you got some free time while you're off. Uh, have a merry Christmas, and until next time, keep leading. Thanks for listening to the Bottom Shelf Leadership Podcast, a ministry of Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. For more information on our church and all three of our locations, you can check us out at lindsaylane.org.